Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The WTF1 Post Race Podcast. Well, well, well. A weekend that started with a loose drain cover, nearly derailing what many were calling the new biggest sporting event of the year, to one of the most exciting races of the season. Las Vegas has now been and gone, and to look back at all the biggest WTF moments from the race, alongside myself, Harry Benjamin, is, of course, Callan O'Keefe. Uh, that was worth uh, the, the early start for us over in Europe, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of criticism before the start of the race, it got off to a terrible start. I mean, free practice one. From there onwards, it was going to look like it was a really tough one to salvage for the fans. But what a race. I mean, so much action. The track really did deliver in terms of the race. It kind of matched the show a little bit as well. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. That's, you know, really saving one of the best races of the year till last, really. Who would have thought it? I mean, we'll dive into sort of the the Vegas and the weekend as a whole a little later, but let's just get straight into the race. And I, I think it's worth starting turn one, lap one, because a lot of things happened there. Uh, let's start with Verstappen's move on Leclerc. It seems so unfortunate because everybody almost foretold that, yeah, Leclerc's on pole, but of course he's not going to win the race. And it was a it was a bold, bullying move from Verstappen who slid down the inside and they both went wide in the end. Do you think it was worth the penalty that he got? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, he wasn't ahead of the apex. This, this, oh, I was ahead. He was nowhere near ahead. And, you know, I think Charles had more of a chance of making the corner if Max wasn't there, but obviously the Red Bull missile was coming down the inside and you can't turn into a car that's doing anyway. So, but I, you know, I find it really interesting because we had that, you know, the, the press conference during the weekend where, you know, Max was talking about, oh, it was, it's, you know, I'm not surprised Charles is in Formula One. You just have to look back at the list of the drivers that were successful back in the day. They're here now. And so I'm not surprised to see him. And then how does he kind of, you know, show his respect? He absolutely dive bombs him and pushes him off the track in turn one. And yeah, I mean, he, I, I think he kind of knew maybe he needed that. The, they were very evenly matched on pace with the Ferrari probably having the benefit and it kind of showed in the early part of the race when they're all on the mediums that actually Leclerc had the pace on Max. But yeah, he needed that track positioning. He needed to keep the Ferrari within touching distance slash be ahead so that he could really utilize his pace at the end of the race as he did. So I I really enjoyed it. But, you know, it was, it was a very clumsy turn one, wasn't it? We saw a rare mistake from Fernando Alonso and I find it really interesting because it's when drivers go to a, a new track for the first time, you don't have junior categories to watch, to try and gather a bit of information or they don't have their own experience to draw on. It was interesting to see just how many mistakes we saw. What well, 100%. I mean, it was uh, Alonso went spinning, Sainz went spinning and Hamilton and, and Perez were involved in and Bottas, who was the <laughs> victim, poor old Bottas, uh, ended up looking Alonso in the eye the wrong way around uh, coming through turn one. But that's the thing. I mean, everyone was uh, F1 is the only 
track action they've had this weekend and there has been calls you know it'd be great to have some some feeder series just to lay some rubber down get it a bit grippier as well i don't think that's going to happen in the foreseeable just because of the nature of being in the middle of las vegas down the strip there's no more room to have a whole support paddock or or be able to open and close the track for other for other you know an f3 or an f2 or even the cost as well of getting everything there the cost is huge to get it in Las Vegas. And that, unless they did like a USF 2000 race or something, or, you know, like that could be... Uh, or is that, that would that, be that really a- cool, like a, an IndyCar support, yeah. like a bit of a merge between Formula 1 and IndyCar, get like the Indy Lights car. That would yeah. be that would be really cool. Because then you're not traveling so far. You're staying within the country, so you're not, you're not shipping loads of cars over to America. They're already there. So, hey. Fun good ideas. If you're listening to that one. Take it with me. But yeah, absolutely right. So, I mean, turn one was an absolute mess, really. And, and uh, due to the low grip and, and the temperatures, quite cold all weekend. And a lot of drivers were worried about graining on the tyres. And, and that was the main factor throughout the race. Because coming back to Verstappen and Leclerc, I think, I mean, I hold my hands up guilty. Once Verstappen got through, I thought, oh, that's it then, isn't it? He, he's he's going to run off into the distance. But you know what? He obviously didn't. And then we got a real fight on our hands. And it seemed that the Ferrari was actually better when it came to, to the tyre life than Verstappen and his Red Bull were. Yeah, and I mean, Max got a little bit lucky as well, didn't he? When he uh, when he made the pass on George and obviously they made contact. A little bit of a clumsy move for someone who was so assertive at the start of the race to kind of linger the way that he did. Obviously, George got the penalty and was, was deemed at fault for turning in. But it's kind of interesting because if that safety car hadn't come out, he actually, there was a real chance that Leclerc probably would have won the race, or it would have been a fight between, you know, well, I, or, Perez. I, or Perez, I was going to say as well. So, yeah, he, he kind of got a little bit lucky with that one, but then obviously when it was, yeah, let's let's go with the casino theme. If you find yourself at the casino and you're on a roll, you got to keep playing, don't you? So I haven't made a Las Vegas pun the entire show. It's taken five minutes. I'm, well I'm proud of myself. I'm, proud I'm of myself. glad I didn't put it all on red, though, at the start of the weekend. Yeah. Um, but although Perez is um, his overalls, like on the podium, it looked like two Ferrari drivers yeah. were up there because they went for like a red overall for Perez. Um, and, and let's talk about Perez as well, because I mean, I think I tweeted this as well. So like I can get, I mean, I'm, I'm an F1 fan. We're both F1 fans through and through. And, and those listening, you know, we can we can get excited about a battle for seventh place. We can if we have to, because that we know the storylines behind that. We're so ex- just as excited about that. But when you do get, a three-way battle for the lead, Red Bull versus Ferrari. That just makes you realize how much we need that in Formula One. It makes the sport come alive again. And, and Perez, from the back, let's remember, he got not didn't make it through to Q3. Yeah, he got lucky with, uh, with the safety car, which effectively gave him a free stop. And actually, a lot of people got done over by that safety car, particularly like the Williams drivers as well. They really got done over by that and, and were sent to the back pretty much because everybody else got cheap stops. Um, but how, I mean, just that's what we need. I'm crying out for that. And we could have had signs up there as well if he'd started in, in P2 initially before his grid penalty. And I was quite impressed by Perez up until he got involved in, in that fight because I think maybe he said he had too much downforce on his front wing. So he didn't have the, the, the straight line speed to that, that his teammate had to keep up with Leclerc, but losing P2 in essentially the final corner on the final lap, that that's gutting. And I, I was gutted for him. I can only imagine how he's feeling as well on the trot. That's two times on the trot. Now he's lost by, you know, a thousand hundreds of a second of position. Do, do you think that was an example of why 
people are frustrated at Perez or do you think actually it, he didn't stand a chance it was always gonna Leclerc had the upper hand anyway I mean, the poor guy can't win, can he? When no, he when he's off. delivering a, he a P10 performance. P2. Yeah, when he's delivering a, a P10 performance, we go, well, he just should be on the podium. And then when he gets on the podium, we go, well, he should be second. And then when he finishes second, well, he should be challenging Verstappen. So I, I think that was a safe and sensible drive. Obviously, qualifying didn't go very, very well for him. I think he did a good job to limit the damage. He was fighting for the lead of the race. You know, when you start further back, obviously you you are compromised. The more you follow, the more you find yourself in kind of the mid pack. The more you are compromised by what strategy you can do, because it's Formula One now is is running a marathon. It's it's getting to the end with you know the using the least amount of tire life possible and following other cars, especially when it's cold, when graining's a problem. It does you know hamper your chances of optimizing your race and. I think he did a good job this weekend. I think it was a good recovery drive to be in the fight. Yeah, he, in an ideal world, you cover Leclerc on the last lap. But equally, it was a very good move by Leclerc. It was 100% committed, opportunistic, and he nailed it. So it wasn't like he lost it by like a, a half defensive move, lock up, missed the corner. It was just, I think it was just a, a bit of racing genius from Charles to be optimistic. As you said, He's secured P2 in the Drivers' Championship. That was probably the biggest goal going into it. And now he can go to Abu Dhabi, the last race, completely free of, of everything. He's he's achieved his kind of goal, if you like, from the middle of the season. And now focus on just, you know, trying to refine his momentum to, to try and take the fight to the, the front guys more, more often. Yeah, that's what we want for, for next season, for sure. Um, we'll come back to uh, Verstappen in a moment. Let's just um, head down the grid a little bit and talk about some other awesome drives there were uh, from the likes of Esteban Ocon and Lance Stroll. I mean, with Ocon, stark contrast between the two Alpine drivers from qualifying yeah. to the race. Gasly, I think he had some issues struggling with graining and a car issue as well, but that was a mega stint from Ocon. Yeah, he was just on it. He just woke up and he, well, yeah, well, I was going to say woke up in, in the, the afternoon, but it was the morning, wasn't it? He woke, yeah. he woke up at late night and maybe he just needs Grand Prix to happen at, at odd hours of the day. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was absolutely on it and I, I really liked this weekend as well, just to see the development over the course of the weekend. We spoke about it, you know, kind of in the buildup. I really enjoyed seeing drivers kind of find their feet with the track as the weekend went on. And the form guide was never really set, was it? And we went through free practice. Then we went through qualifying. There was another form guide. And then in the race, we saw a completely different form guide again. And, and the drivers that emerged in the front of the race weren't necessarily the ones that you thought were going to be there after qualifying. So, you know, there was there were so many different stories to look at this weekend, as you say, great to have that battle at the front, but another weekend where, you know, throughout the grid, there was a lot of great battles, a lot of great stories. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I really, really enjoyed it. Stroll, P5. Is it the facial hair? Absolute sublime drive from him. It must be. It must be. You know, it, it's, it's kind of, if a driver changes that quickly, something's got to change. And all I can see <laughs> is the facial hair. I, what a move as well at the end of the race, the move on the, uh, the Williams. He, he, I saw something on Twitter where someone said that he, uh, he did a lunge from Sao Paulo, and I absolutely love that. Obviously, the uh, the TV didn't have the they had the audacity not to show it. But if anyone has a spare five minutes, go and have a look for the move because it was absolutely mega. Yeah, a really strong, solid weekend from him, I would say. 
Yeah, there were some really, really nice drives from Ocon Stroll. It was good to see. Uh, so some some smiley faces from Alpine and Aston Martin. Um, McLaren had a weird weekend because, as you say, the form book was really hard to gauge, you know, after the nine minutes of free practice one or whatever we got. And, you know, I, I thought McLaren were looking, were looking all right at the start of the weekend throughout practice. But then, you know, god-awful qualifying from both. And then... Um, the, the Norris with a, an uncharacteristic incident in the race, quite a hefty one. He took a proper whack, and it seems like uh, the cause of it was just that he got offline onto the dirt, fast, slight left-hander, and, and lost lost grip and lost the rear, and into the wall he went. A lot of damage. He did go to the medical centre, but then he's been deemed fine and okay since, and he was on the radio straight away. But um, tough weekend for, for Norris and McLaren. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if there wasn't some sort of failure it doesn't really look like the kind of place where you can just go it was it was quite a violent impact the way he went kind of hard right so i'm not 100 percent sure maybe it was just a mistake we you know if you there's that great uh camera angle at the end of the long straight where you can see the elevation chain you can see the dirt offline you can see actually how bumpy it is because you know it's it's las vegas it's it's a it's not an actual racetrack and yeah, unfortunately, if you find yourself half a car's width off the line, especially when the rubber starts going down, the, the, the tires start marbling and, and the rubber line's completely clear, then, yeah, sometimes you get these strange incidents. Great to see him okay um, because it was a big, big hit. I mean, we heard him on the radio afterwards kind of, I think he must have been a bit winded, struggling mm-hmm. to get the words out. But, yeah, it was it was a very strange weekend for McLaren. I, I really had I, – I thought they were going to be strong. I really thought they were going to be strong and – it just never really materialized. Lando said after I just bottomed out on the restart, lost the rear and hit the wall. Really? So it was just him bottoming out on a bit yeah. of unused triad. It, yeah, this is this is the thing, isn't it? Like we, we're very quick to, uh, to, to put racing and driving race cars into like this box of being easy, isn't it? But mm. a driver makes a small mistake. They go cars with off the line and all of a sudden it's, it's a really, really costly impact, isn't it? So yeah, really... I, I think that kind of sums up their weekend, that kind of incident. It was just a very strange one for them, and they'll be looking to, to bounce back at the last race of the season. We'll get back to the show in a second, but first of all, I want to tell you about NordVPN. Now, you've probably heard lots about VPNs or virtual private networks, but here's why you should be using NordVPN. First of all, it's officially the fastest VPN on the planet. You'll enjoy blazing speeds and unlimited bandwidth so you can browse, stream, and download worry-free. And by using NordVPN, you'll become safer online with a single click. You'll enjoy threat protection that shields you from malware, trackers and ads, and your privacy will be ensured. And of course, you'll be able to make sure you can access your favourite content wherever you are, because even when you're travelling, you'll be able to stay at home virtually. So what are you waiting for, guys? Start using the fastest VPN on the planet. Go to nordvpn.com slash WTF1podcast. That's nordvpn.com slash WTF1podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Let's go back up to Verstappen because, I mean, we were we were chatting about it before we, we came on, on air to record this. And I mean, Verstappen is Verstappen. I mean, and, and with this win, Red Bull, I think it's 20 wins now this season they've achieved. And that's a record for the most of any constructor in a season. It'll probably be 21 this time next week, uh, which will be immense. And it's got to be respected. The car, this car will go down in history as one of the best. Another amazing creation from Adrian Newey. But on a weekend like this, you're sort you're, you're of shown Max Verstappen and his pure class right because he didn't have it in the bag he had to work for it and that's where the skill that Verstappen inherently has really it shows he's just so I I was doing a bit of research before I came on and his his amount of wins that he's had this season alone puts him 16th on the all-time win list of Formula One drivers (laughs) just this season and Mental. he's just been class and every time you think that he can't up the level he does and obviously yeah we talk about the car the car is sensational but you know Perez is a driver that's not at a bad level he's a he's a, a multiple race winner in Formula 1 so you only have to go and actually have a look at the list of multiple Formula 1 winners you realise how few there's been for how long Formula 1's been a sport you realise the level of anyone that's able to do that and then you get this guy that comes in and just absolutely dominates the season the way that Max has. It it has to go down as one of the best performances in sport, let alone, you know, our sport. It's it's just incredible. And, you know, the thing that I really like about Max as well this year and, and it kind of the way that he's grown into himself is, you know, he's not afraid to voice a controversial opinion. He doesn't do it in a in an obnoxious way. You know, he was very outspoken about how he didn't really like the show behind Vegas. Mm. But then obviously when it came down to the racing side of things, he got in, he delivered, he, he put on the, the motorsport spectacle that he wanted to see and everyone else wanted to see. And it, it massively contributes to the sport as well. And yeah, he's, he's, I, I don't know where's next for him now. Cause I don't know how you top this next year. How do you, how do you come back how, potentially, you know, going to the next race and, you know, let's, let's assume a crazy assumption that he's going to be competitive again. How do you go away after the winter and then come back and, and top this? I don't, I don't see how it's possible. Yeah. Do you, have you, has he peaked too soon? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all well and good being successful, but then you, you always want something to strive for, don't yeah. you? And then again, I suppose he hasn't won every race this year. And that's that's the next step, I suppose, isn't it, for for somebody of that success and, yeah, and but talent? What, what does it mean if you win every race in the Formula One season? I mean, he's come close to it. Where yeah. still got one more to go. But what does it mean if you win every race in the Formula One season? Does that mean that you just have this one person that's an absolute freak of nature, or does it mean that we need to find a way to make it more competitive? It. What does that mean for the pinnacle of the sport? It's. It, I don't know. This is kind of. Existential crisis questions. Well, we want to make the sport more interesting, and we just we just spoke about it. Like I remember growing up in the era, kind of like the the mid to late two thousands, where you had minimum six drivers and different teams that could fight for race wins, and that's 
that was part of the thing that made me fall in love with Formula One. And, you know, I remember back to the, the championship decider, my favorite driver growing up was Kimi Raikkonen. And I remember when Raikkonen won the championship, I was 11 years old and I was so happy. I was crying because I was involved in this amazing championship battle all the way to the end. Then we had the following season with Hamilton and I was, I wasn't a Hamilton fan at the time, but I was, cause I was invested in Raikkonen and Ferrari, but when he won, I, you know, I, we had the entire family jumping and it was, it was amazing to see that spectacle fighting at the front. And I think we do need to try and recapture some of that essence because whenever we get a taste of it, we're so hungry for it, aren't we? Mm. And I don't know how we do that because I'm, you know, I'm just a, a, a person with a microphone who has an opinion, but it would be great to see more of that happen and, and to kind of help reignite the, the next generation of Formula One fans and, and keep the generation we have now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier as well. You know, I, I think this uh, this generation of car, I'm still not, I'm not convinced. Like, I think, I think, you know, they're too heavy. They're too, they're too big. I think, I think there needs to be changes there with, you know, Formula One cars, race cars should be nimble and light, right? Effectively, that's race cars should be like that. And and I don't feel like these F1 cars are, you know, you, they look a bit clunky in the corners, sometimes, especially around street circuits, you know, Monaco is a prime example. I mean, already for the last couple of years, they've struggled to even go too wide in the corner. Now it's near on impossible. So, you know, I think I think that needs a a bit of a rethink and there are there are rules that are being talked about and and looked at in the, over the next com- couple of years you know the minimum weights is being looked at for for the cars P- potentially the the size of the Pirelli tires is being looked at as well so it's all up in the air but until that happens you know and and domination is is something that's happened of course time and time again yeah. but verstappen just it seems to be on another level but one thing that, that i just want to finish on this with verstappen that that caught my eye in the race was i, I think must have been the second safety car period where verstappen pitted and came out and he was pretty much side on side by side with esteban ocon we know they're great friends <laughs> and uh ocon was obviously under safety car um but Verstappen had a huge slide coming out of the pit lane just because he was putting his foot down to get that little extra inch so he his nose would be in front of Ocon's at the safety car line the pit lane line so he would be in front of Ocon under safety car it's just those little things like that where he knows he can just control the car and get that little bit more speed just to get an inch over Ocon or whoever it is and get that advantage, which will be so important on the safety car restart as one less car that he has to overtake. So it's just small things like that that I think you know put Verstappen in that other bracket where it's not just car. Obviously, that's a major factor, but it is also Max Verstappen and the talent that he is. Um if you want to hear where do you get that this holiday season, Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. There really is some incredible stuff on the site, and the best part is that when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. These fine products are often made in small batches, so shop now before they sell out this holiday season. 
Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the US. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. From art and jewellery to kitchen, home and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lacklustre gifts you could find just anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a non-profit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash WTF1. That's uncommongoods.com slash WTF1 for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. It was one of the better races of the season. The best of the season? Would you mark it as that? Um... Hard one. I, I still thought Singapore was pretty good. I thought Singapore was good. I also really enjoyed Monza. I yeah. liked seeing the Ferraris battling at the front. I really enjoyed that. What what I find interesting is is if this race had been at a Monaco, like not exactly, let's say it was in the surrounding of Monaco, would we have been far more optimistic about it? That's kind of my question because, you know, there was we I think that this is probably worth going into a bit more detail about. Hmm. Everyone is very critical, didn't start off well, salvaged a great race. Did the show kind of just put that last little bit of a dampener on what was a great race? Because we saw battles throughout the field. We saw drivers struggling. We saw a lot of entertainment. Was it just something that our our kind of, let's say, our our European-based palettes need to get used to? And actually, (laughs) it it was, yeah. And in a few years' time, if we keep seeing that, then we'll, you know, respect the spectacle that it was and the great show that it was. It was a good race. Like it was a disaster of a start with this yeah. loose drain cover. It, yeah, it just was. And but I almost felt like people were happy that it was a bad start. That that's the kind of vibe I got online through socials. People always wanted it to fail. You know, the amount of money that's gone into this, and and clearly there was some backlash in the build up with the disturbance to the people of Las Vegas, but. At the end of the day, we 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 were all there. We're all watching it, and it's happening. So you you got to take what you can get, and they managed. Our FP one was a blip. Blip. FP two got delayed, but it then got underway, and then it was a fairly straightforward weekend. And we got outside of the track action one hundred percent show. Of course, we did. You know, having to get in at the end of the race, the cool down car to <laughs> straight to the, the nightclub. Yeah, straight to the nightclub. Yeah, and do it there, and then go back and do the podium <laughs> and the celebration. And and you know, before the race, the grid being one of the busiest of any Grand Prix ever. I think pretty much everyone was saying, you know, that's what you were going to get. You know, Martin Brund- Brundle's grid was an absolute classic once again. So tick one hundred percent show. And it seems like up until now, Formula One, you you either get one or the other. You're either there for the show and the prestige, and you don't really get much of of the track stuff, or you're there for a great race with you know not there's no pizzazz around it. Whereas here, I think Las Vegas proved that you can find places that can give a hundred percent show and a hundred percent racing because it was bloody brilliant to watch. And yes. It, it may differ from year on year, a bit like Baku, where sometimes you get an absolute worldie and sometimes you don't. But right now, you can only judge it off one race. And to me, it ticks both boxes and it actually opens up questions about traditional racetracks like your Monaco's. Why are we there? Because 
in terms of a show, I suppose it gives history and, you know, the, the, the origins of Formula One and, and you get the lovely harbour and, you know, all the rich people. But in terms of on-track action, you get nothing. Whereas yeah. now we found both. So and, and as well, it's the same thing, just in a slightly different format. Because you go to Monaco, the first thing you see, and, you know, I, I was lucky enough to race there a few years ago, you just see giant super yachts and you see people mm. part like we, our, our race was early on in the morning and there's people still partying from the night before on Sunday morning. They're not there for the sport. They're there because it's, it's Monaco. And, you know, I think this is, this is a really interesting point that someone actually said to me when we were talking about the race and they went, well, the problem with tradition and wanting tradition is tradition takes time to earn its prestige. So how can we expect Las Vegas to have that prestige of tradition if it's the first time it's run? We have to give it three, four, five years to really understand and give it its marker as to whether or not it belongs on the Formula One calendar because there's always going to be teething problems. The sport of that size in that environment, it's going to be difficult to organize. If we come back next year and we have the same problems again, then it's, uh, you know, I was going to say a red flag for <laughs> a lack of a better <laughs> a expression. Sphere. It's a red sphere. Um, and we can put the race right down the drain. Three puns in a row. Sorry, three strikes and you're out. But I I think the problem is by com- you, you can't really, it's like comparing apples and oranges. You can't compare a Monaco to a Las Vegas. You just have to, as you say, take it for what it is. In my eyes, it was run as a success and we'll see how it is in the coming few years to, to really see if it deserves its place. But I think a lot of the criticism, you know, irregardless of, of, Let's take the side how they handled the kind of whole delay and everything uh, with the fans, because I think there's probably a bit more that could have been done there. But mm. in terms of the way the event was run, I'm I'm going I'm looking forward to next year. I'm looking forward to next year. F1 cars going down the Las Vegas Strip. I mean, that's never been done before, and it's insane that can even happen. And even that alone is worth a visit, I think. But I agree; it's just worth just mentioning. You know, the fans being turned away for FP2, and I think being given compensation in the form of, oh, you can buy some uh, merchandise. We'll give you two hundred dollars worth. That's not right in my book. You should be given. Uh, if you only had a Friday ticket you should be given a full refund. Simple yeah. as. Yeah, you've not um, come to buy a t-shirt. You've come to watch the cars drive around. Exactly. And that's the important thing. Exactly. So that shouldn't be happening. Um, well, look, uh, let's go to our WTF1 podium now, shall we? So we need a star performer, a worst performer, and a biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix. Um, who was your star performer? It's got to be Max. He, yeah. won, he, he, he won the race. You know, uh, a shout out to Leclerc because I think he did a great job. Great pass on Perez, great pace all weekend, but it was Max for me. But I'm, I would have to agree with you, but to be different, I'm going to go Ocon, I think. Yeah. Start yeah. the race, Ocon. Um, or start performer. That's, uh, what, that's what I like. We yeah. always have a little bit more depth, don't we? Always. On to the next one. On to the next one. Let's go. Uh, I'll start this one. Worst performer. I've got to say, I, I mean, I've gone for Norris. Yeah, I... I don't want to say the same thing, but I kind of had, he was just a very lackluster weekend. Uh, you know, there was no one else who did any other big enough mistakes to outweigh that. Unfortunately for Lando. Sorry, Lando. And who was your biggest surprise performer? I'd say Stroll. Yeah. 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 It was, it was nice to see Stroll on top of things. He raced well. He did a good job. So I, if, okay. 
if we have to separate it, my biggest before my biggest oh the the you know surprise performer in qualifying was Logan Sargent. Didn't expect that. Oh yeah, did uh, not yeah. expect that. Shout out to Logan all. Sargent. Shout out to shout out to Logan Sargent. But I didn't expect that at all. But kind of expected him to go backwards in the race because he's not a hundred percent there yet with the race side of things. But great performance, another tick in the in the box for him. But that's why I goes to Stroll. Just just watching him, he's been under a lot of fire recently from even from us. Yeah, and just, yeah. you know, seeing when he did a good job in qualifying, seeing the people in the back of the garage cheering for him. It obviously, there's a lot more to him there. He's been through the frustration and he's kind of pulled himself out of it with a solid result. So that is worthy for me of my surprise, but slash star performer of the weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you make a valid case and it's hard to disagree with you. Um, my surprise performer is Vegas. <laughs> I'm going oh, for Las Vegas yes. as my surprise performer. Because you know what? It's not that I didn't want it to do well. I just had a feeling it wouldn't be a great race. Like I just thought I didn't the track didn't thrill me. And I thought, oh God, are they really gonna be able to overtake? But pleasantly surprised. And it looked good on telly. And I'm I'm sold. I want to go next year. So should we do a trip next year? Should we go together? Yeah. Oh, please. Yes. Should we do it? Hundred percent. I'm in. If if you're in, I'm in. Oh yeah. Let's do it. Get the dates in the diary now. We're going to Vegas. Uh, We'll see you there. Um, (laughs) Well, before we we wrap things up for this uh, show, we've got one more race to go for the season. Can you believe it? It's Abu Dhabi. It's now a a, a stalwart of the F1 calendar as the finale. Um, And there's still a few things to be decided there as well. When we go there, we've got uh, the fight between Mercedes and Ferrari is looking really hot at the moment. I think there's only about four points between them at the moment. Um, Carlos Sainz managed to rocket up a couple of positions in the driver standings. He's level still with Alonso, I believe. And, and, uh, and Leclerc is also in there as well, having bagged some good points Uh, further down and that, that battle for seventh with the bat markers, essentially, um, Nobody scored points this weekend, so that one continues to roll on. Williams clinging on for that seventh spot, but Alpha Tauri have been looking strong, weren't so great in Vegas. Uh, Haas also still figuring out their car, and the Williams uh, with great qualifying pace too. So, I mean, what are you, what are you looking forward to for, for Abu Dhabi? What are you expecting? How do you think this one's going to go? Well, I'm lucky enough that I'm flying out there tomorrow. So I'm oh. very much looking forward to actually being trackside. We've, we've got a couple of drivers we look after racing in the F4 support race, so that's going to be absolutely awesome for them. The thing that I'm most looking forward to, though, is that our paddock is located next to the Max Verstappen grandstand. So all I'm going to hear for the next four or five days is Supermax. And what a <laughs> what a banger that is. I mean, it's definitely not near worms. And I, I, I'm looking forward to the the culmination of the season. Obviously, you know, I'm expecting Max Verstappen at the front, maybe the kind of resurgence to end the season on the high for McLaren. Um, hopefully Ferrari at the front. The nice thing is we don't really know what to expect. I just hope that the race is equally as good. There's plenty to talk about and we can... Uh, we can keep this momentum into the winter to keep everyone excited about the prospects for 2024. Oh, well said, Callan O'Keefe. You do have a way with words, don't you? Um, all right, then. I think that just about does it for our, our Vegas review and a little look ahead to, uh, to Abu Dhabi. Um, Callan's going to be out there and then he's coming straight back, I hope, because then we've got to do a review of it. Uh, if not, take your microphone and remember all the wires this time uh, in, in your hand luggage. <laughs> Um, but in the meantime, uh, make sure you're subscribed as always and following the WTF1 social and YouTube channels. Uh, but from Karen O'Keefe and myself, Harry Benjamin, we'll see you after Abu Dhabi Do. Bye-bye.
that was shocking. <laughs> Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.